Good morning, church. Good to see you. My name is Stephen Elliott. I'm the pastor of high school ministries here at Grace and get the great privilege of being able to open God's Word with you. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Mark 4, verses 1 to 20. Uh, if you have been here regularly, you know that last week we finished up the message series uh, going through the, uh, looking at the, the life, the character of Joseph in, in Genesis. Uh, next week we're going to start a series looking at the, walking through the book of Philippians in the New Testament. I'm really excited about it. And uh, so we wanted to, as, as we talked and kind of looked at the calendar, we wanted to um, give John a week off in order to allow him to give maximum study. It's, I've, I've done this before. It is really hard to prepare for a specific message as well as prepare for a whole new series, especially when you're studying a book, um, you know, trying to get the, the understand the idea, the, kind of the big idea behind an entire book. It's a lot of work. And so, uh, and so we, we talked about it and thought, well, let's, you know, let's have a break in between. So I get the great privilege of being able to speak this morning, and I'm excited about it. Uh, would you just pray with me really quick? Father, as we come this morning and, and open up your word, we realize, um, Father, that, that it is your word that we're opening, and we realize that, that it is uh, breathed by you, and, and it is for our, for our growth. It's for our, our life, Lord, and so we pray that you would speak this morning and that, that we would have ears to hear what you're trying to say um, God, that we might walk more in step with you, that we might radiate your glory more um, and, and better reflect the image of your Son. And so I pray that, uh, that that would be accomplished this morning. And we pray it in your name. Amen. Uh, I don't know if for a lot of you who have kids, I'm sure you have said the phrase, listen, more than once. Listen to me. Uh, I've got my, my daughter, we, she's three, so she's, she's, t- she's tiny, and um, we, we do this thing, if there's, if there's something that we want her to understand, if there's a point that we are trying to get across to her, we do this thing in our house, and we get down to her level, and I look at her, and my wife Holly does this too, and I look at her, and I go, Evie, look at my eyes. And, and then she does this. Right? And I'm sure none of you parents can relate to that, right? You know, it's so like distracting, like, oh, look, shiny object. And multiple times I'll be talking to her about something because I want her to understand it. And I'll usually end it by saying, understand? She goes, undertand. And like that, it's really funny, I know. But, but multiple times I'll, you know, she'll start to like look away and get distracted. Go, Evie, ah, look at my eyes. She looks. Uh, the funniest part, though, is that, you know, when we first started, when we, when we realized that she was at a stage when she could start getting it, um, probably within weeks, all of a sudden, I, I hear in the backyard, I hear her walk up to our dog. She's, I've got this little dachshund, Roxy, and I hear this, Roxy, look at my eyes. <laughs> I felt coughed up a long laugh, but she does it with both fingers. She goes, and she did it to our cat, too. Look at my eyes. <laughs> we realize she started, like, it's, it's interesting when you start hearing the things you've said repeated to inanimate objects. Um, a few weeks ago, there was, there was some wild geese that were flying around and like hanging out in our neighborhood, and they were kind of waddling across the street, and this fascinated her, and they're, you know, in the middle of the street, and all of a sudden she starts yelling, geese, get out of the street. It's dangerous. 
<laughs> it's and, you know, then, of course, I, like, pull out my phone. And I'm like, oh, okay, record. I'm like, Evie, tell him again. Tell him how dangerous it is. And she realized she's on camera. And she's like, no. You know, she, oh, darn it, lost it. But it's, it's wonderful that she hears me enough to be able to repeat it back to our animals and other things. Uh, but the goal and the hope is that she, and I know all of you parents are like this, the, the ultimate end goal is that they understand and then respond obediently and that they actually do the thing that I'm telling them to do. I don't want her to just be able to like very cutely tell the animals to look at her eyes. I want her to actually listen and pay attention and then do the thing that, I, that I'm talking to her about. In this story that we're, that we're going to read, this is a parable about listening. And a parable, many of you probably know this, but, but just to, to reiterate it, a parable is a, a short story. Uh, Jesus used them masterfully. Uh, but it's a, it's a short story intended to drive home typically just one main idea, one main point. And these short stories used simple, common, everyday objects and everyday things and everyday practices uh, to, to teach this message, uh, to, to teach this, this typically one main idea. And Jesus would use them, and, and the, the big idea that Jesus would use to, to reiterate, and he would teach some aspect of it, is basically what did it look like for Jesus to be king? And what did it look like for us to be a part of his kingdom? Uh, what, it is, what does it look like for Jesus to sit on the throne of our lives, for him to be in charge, for him to have rule and reign? Um, and, and all the parables that Jesus taught were, uh, were to that end and for that purpose. And this one's, this one's no different. In fact, this one's actually kind of special because Jesus says it here, but this one's uh, critical for understanding all of the parables Getting this is critical. Uh, getting this and this thing that, that Jesus is trying to teach in this parable is critical for understanding everything else that Jesus is teaching. Uh, and so, listen along or read along with me as we read Mark 4, 1 through 20. It'll be on the screen behind me. Sorry, I should have advanced that, but this is the, as, as I've said, this is the, the parable. Uh, we call this the parable of the sower. Um, sometimes I've heard it referred to the parable of the four soils. Uh, but again, Mark 4, 1 through 20. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. Since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around with him, around, around him with the twelve, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything else, everything is in parables. So that, and he quotes Isaiah here, 
so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear it, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. In this story, Jesus gives, in this whole story, this whole section, Jesus only gives one command in all of it. Anybody catch what it was? It's one word. Listen. Nice. Very good. I heard some of you whisper in it. I was listening. Uh, yes, listen. Interesting that, that, that of all this in this, this story, and, and Jesus asked about it, and he gives some explanation of everything, the only thing he commands is listen. But listen is much more than audibly hearing words. As, as, we, as we read about it in Scripture, as we understand it, as it's illustrated and explained in Scripture, it's so much more than just hearing the words. Listen to Psalm 95. The psalmist says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And in talking about soils and then explaining the soils, Jesus is unpacking this idea that to listen and to be a listener isn't just hearing words, but it's paying attention and it's response. And there's a response to it. It's responding in obedience. That, in fact, if someone hears the words and doesn't respond in obedience, then they, in fact, were not truly listening. That the listener doesn't just hear, but the listener does. The listener acts and responds obediently to it. Again, you parents know this for with your kids, right? You heard my words. I told you. And then you went and did it, didn't do it. You weren't listening. You weren't paying attention. Uh, listening demands response. And the big idea that I want us to understand from this, the... The main point, if you're, if you're taking notes, if you were to summarize this section, is, is basically this is that and we, need, we need to understand that God is actively speaking. So listen attentively, respond obediently, and share generously. Think about the fact that God is actively speaking. I mean, think about that. It's not like God just inspired this book, dropped it on our laps, and then was like, all right, out of here. You've got enough to take care of yourselves. Have fun. No, no, no. Not only did, did he do, like, not only did he give us a book, not only did he inspire writers to, to speak his words to us, and not only did he preserve it, but he continues to speak through it. He continues to prompt us through his spirit. He continues to move through the work of people today and speak through you and I in, in church settings and small groups through friends and in accountability and one-on-one. And I mean, and God, the fact that God is speaking, 
is an incredible thing. The fact that we, that, that our God speaks to us is amazing. Especially given our tendency to not listen. So folks, listen attentively, respond obediently, and share generously. When, it, when God speaks, when it comes to God's word, let's be a people who are all ears. Let's see Jesus' words, not just as, well, oh, that's such a nice Nice story, Jesus. Great. Thanks. Such, you know, those are such just positive words. No, no, no. Let's see Jesus' words as our source of life. We have to see his words in that light. They are our source of life. So let's, let's walk through this text. Keep your Bibles open. If, you, if you've closed them, turn back to Mark 4. If you've closed out that app, turn it back on. Um, again, Mark 4, 1 through 20. We're going to just walk through this verse. I'm going to unpack it for us, and I think, I think some, some great and significant things will come from it. Verses 1 and 2, if you've, again, if you've got your Bibles open, we see that Jesus has drawn a large crowd, uh, which isn't uncommon in Jesus' day. He was, he, he was an amazing teacher, and people came really from all over. He almost couldn't get away from them uh, at times. And so, he, again, what's not uncommon, he's by, by the sea, and he draws this large crowd. So large, in fact, that, that the Bible says he has to get into a boat and kind of push off from shore to, to get some distance so that they can actually hear him. And I don't know if you've ever been on a lake or on a pond, but it's amazing how um, well your sound carries over kind of resting water, isn't it? Uh, and I think Jesus didn't do this by accident. He knew that in order for this significant crowd to hear him, he had to, uh, he had to get, you know, he had to position himself to where, to where they could be over some water. Uh, and so they, so they push in on him, and so he gets in this boat, and he starts to teach him. And in verse 3, he opens up with the phrase, with the command, listen, or hear, some of your Bibles might say. And this opening statement is the, is the Hebrew word shema. I'm no Hebrew scholar, so I, I'm sure there's like a in there somewhere, but Shema, which means the, the, the literal translation is hear or listen. And this, this isn't just some, some random word. This word is the opening statement of the, is the, is the opening word of what the Hebrews called the Shema, which is, uh, which is the, the prayer that they would recite on a daily basis. And it's, uh, it's repeating Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, which says hear O Israel, H-E-A-R here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And it goes on from there. But, but this, is, this is the Shema. And so when, when Jesus opens up with this statement here, again, the, the, er, the original audience heard something in their minds that would, and, in, and in their ears. That's similar to like how I get down on level with my daughter, and when she hears the phrase, look at my eyes, she knows, oh, time to pay attention. And so Jesus' audience would have heard this, and they would have, it, it would have perked their interest. They would have started paying attention. And beginning, uh, beginning the parable with that phrase uh, not only gives a clue to what, it, it perks their attention, but it also gives a clue to what he's going to be speaking about. He kind of, he gives them the answer at the very beginning, in a, in a sense. In verses 3 through 9, he gives the parable, but then it's interesting, if you, if you look at the, if you were to look at verses 3 through 9, it's interesting, he gives no explanation. He talks about, he talks about the sower, which was a, a common thing. They all would have been very familiar with a farmer going out and 
putting seed in the ground. Uh, and and he, he gives this story and he talks about, you know, where it, it falls and it falls on this ground and this ground and these different kind of, it's different reaction where it falls. And then he ends the story. And I imagine many of his listeners would have been like, oh, okay, that, nice story. Is that it? <laughs> and then verse 10, the scene changes. If you look at verse 10, then it, it kind of fast forwards later, later on. The scene has changed and the crowd is gone and it's just his disciples with a few others. It says, when he was alone with his disciples and, and, and a few others, those around him with his disciples. And they ask him about the parables. And then Jesus responds with, with verse 11, which is really interesting. He says, and he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. So that, and again, like I said, he quotes Isaiah 6, 9 through 10 here. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed, they may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. What does he mean here? If you read this, it's kind of harsh. This is actually kind of one of the more difficult phrases of Jesus to understand. And at initial thought, it kind of sounds like Jesus is saying, I'm intentionally kicking some out. I'm intentionally keeping some people from hearing what I want them to hear. And I'm, I'm holding back for a few others. And that's not the case. When he's quoting Isaiah, Isaiah is speaking to the, to the nation of Israel when they are at a point in place when, in, their, in their history where they just have hard hearts, where God is speaking to them through the prophets and they are refusing to listen. They are, um, they, they are becoming this hard ground where they just, they won't let his word sink in. And that's what Jesus is quoting here. And, and so what Jesus is saying is that he's not intentionally keeping the truth from some and allowing others to say. He's saying that for those who want to hear, he'll share. For those that don't truly want to hear, they're not going to hear it anyway, even if he did explain it. One commentator I, I, I read this week said this. His point is that just as the sun that hardens the clay also melts the wax, so the word of the gospel offends the resistant and rebellious, well, it is enthusiastically received by the receptive. Those outside are not denied the possibility of belief, but if they persist in their unbelief, they will not receive more evidence or revelation. Does that make sense? I hope that clarifies that. And so now we get to verses 14 to 20, where Jesus goes on and, and then he, he explains he explains himself. He explains uh, the parable. He explains with these four responses to the word. And I want to note something really quickly, and, and it's really important that we understand, is that any of us can be any, any of us who are believers can be any of these soils. Don't make the mistake in thinking, I'm a Christian. I automatically in the good soil, like I can walk away. I'm, I'm good. Um, no, that's not, that's not what Jesus is saying because actually in Mark 8, if you, if you want to look this up later on, you can write down Mark 8, 14 to 18. We see that Jesus is actually rebuking his disciples, the very ones that he's now going to explain the story to in Mark 8. He's rebuking them because he does this again. He, he tells a story. He gives them a teaching. And instead of them asking about it, they just assume what he's talking about. And, and they start arguing with among themselves about it. And Jesus then rebukes them. And he says, you have hard hearts. And he says, you have ears, but you're not hearing. He's using the same kind of rebuke of, of these who 
in, in the first group that don't you know, stay behind and ask Jesus about it. And so it is possible for believers to fall into any of these camps. And that's, that's what he's saying is, if you're going to be my follower, let me, let me give you some warning. Let me show you some of the dangers out there and some of the common responses to the word. So we get to verses 14 to 20. Verse 15, and these are the ones, and these are, these are the four responses, and we'll walk through these. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes, takes away the word that is sown in them. I'd call this the hard-hearted response. The path is the hard-hearted response. I imagine many of you, all of you, have been hiking in some way or another. The trail, if you're supposed to, by the way, don't, don't, go, don't go like off the trail. It's there for a reason. I have made that mistake many times. Like, oh, I think this is a shortcut. Hours. Like, that was a terrible idea. I should have stayed on the trail. The trail is easy to spot, right? It's the only part of the forest not growing plants and not growing vegetation. It's well trampled down. It's hard and it's packed in. It's not loose ground. It's, it's not the place you would see someone wanting to grow a garden. Be like, hmm, this... This patch of rock looks good. Let's plant a garden there. No, you, you wouldn't do that because the, the ground isn't soft enough for the, the seed to sink in. And as Jesus illustrates, it's easy pickings for the birds. This is a person, as Jesus explains it, this is a person who is so hostile, so resistant, so distance themselves, has so distanced themselves from God that they don't even hear his voice, that when he speaks, it's like it just bounces off a rock. When, when the word is attempted to be sown, it doesn't, it can't even break through the hardened surface. This is a person who has repetitively and habitually made it a point to not, to not fall, uh, respond when God speaks to them, to not follow up in obedience when, he, when they hear his voice, when they hear his command, they can say, ah, hard pass, no thanks. Ask somebody else. Over time, that person's heart becomes so hard that they don't even hear his voice. Friends, I, I would ask you a question to legitimately think about. When was the last time you felt the Holy Spirit prompting you? When was the last time you felt his conviction when was the last time maybe you were reading your Bible? Well, that was a good question. When was the last time you were reading your Bible? But when was the last time you were reading your Bible and you read something and you go, ooh, that's me. I need, and like a person's face came to mind. You're like, I've wronged that person. Like, when was the last time that you maybe were in a sermon and, and, and the pastor's speaking or in a small, you know, in your R group and discussion and you just, you like feel that conviction or you're walking down the street and you see somebody and you just know, like you just feel that, that ping, go talk to that person. Or someone at church, go introduce yourself to that new person. If you can't answer that question, if you don't know when the last time was that you heard the Spirit moving, speaking to you, convicting you, like warning, 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 red light flashing level I, am, I would put money on the fact that you are in this camp. If, if God's voice is so distant that you can't remember the last time you really just felt him speaking to you, beware. It could be that you have grown so resistant, so, so you've made such a habit of saying, nope, not going to do that. Nope, not going to do that. That you, you don't even hear his voice speaking anymore. So friends, be warned. 
Um, like be on your guard because you can be this person. Verse 16 to 17. These are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. I'd say this is the convenient response. The rocky ground I would call the convenient response. This person follows Jesus just so long as it's safe. They follow Jesus just so long as, as it fits within their idea and desire of, of what to do and how to serve him. As long as it's what I want to do, as long as it's what's safe for me, as long as it, um, you know, is fun and exciting and enjoyable, as long as everyone else is doing it, I'm, I'm in. This is the convenient response. This person follows Jesus for a, for a season, but when it gets hard, when it gets difficult, when trials come, when, when it starts to get painful to follow Jesus, when it starts to become, when it starts to cost, they say, okay, well, that was, that was good. I'm, I'm out of here. It's a, it's a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship and not a husband-wife relationship, if you think of it that way. The, the boyfriend-girlfriend, it's, they're, they're committed so long as everything's good. But when, when things aren't good, they're out of there. But a husband-wife, there's a commitment there. This is the convenient response. They don't count the cost of following Jesus. And I think we are very guilty of this in, in our country. I think we're striving to move away from it, but I think for a long time we would, the church in general would have big events where we would try to get people to convert to Christianity and we would, we would talk about all the great side of it. You know, we'd talk about how great it is and how wonderful and we would try to play up the emotional side of it to try to get as, as many responses or decisions as possible. But we wouldn't lay out the cost of following Jesus. We wouldn't lay out that, that it's something that requires you to pick up your cross. It requires you to lay down your life daily to make him Lord. And I think we would, we would try to get the most number of decisions just so we could say like, oh, you know, feel good about our numbers. We're just interested in someone praying a prayer and not truly repenting and making Jesus king. This is a person who's on a spiritual roller coaster all the time. They, they love Jesus when it feels great. They love Jesus when, when it's fun. Um, they're distant from him when, when life is difficult. They blame him when, when life gets hard. The rocky ground. This is the convenient response. Moving on, verses 18 and 19. Others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. I think of this as the cluttered throne response. The thorns are the cluttered throne response. I'll explain that in a second. The, the second response the rocky soil. The second response was, I would say, if the person's a Christian, is the comfort-loving Christian. This is the Christian that, that likes to follow Jesus when it's easy, likes to follow Jesus when it's, when it's comfortable, when it's convenient. The second, uh, this one, the third response, I would say, is the busy Christian. The second person is the one that, gets, that says Jesus gets to be king when it's fun, when it's safe, and when it's comfortable. 
This is the person that says, Jesus gets to be king when it fits into the schedule or when it fits into my budget. This is the person that loves the Lord, but sadly, they love other things as well. They love stuff. Uh, they, they, the things that were never meant, that aren't necessarily bad things, the things that were, never, that were never meant to be gods of our life, we make them gods. We try to cram them onto the throne of our life along with Jesus. And that's why I call it the cluttered throne response. It's, it's the person that says, oh, no, 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 Jesus, you're going to be king still. Like, I'm, I'm going to love you. you. You're still God along with these other things. But I don't want to give up my love for X. You fill in the blank. Uh, you know, it, shopping, clothes, toys, gadgets, vacations, all things that aren't necessarily bad, in and of themselves aren't bad, but were never meant to be on the throne of our life, have no room pushing Jesus out. And folks, remember, he does not share his throne with anybody. This, again, this isn't, if you, if you look at the soil, if you think about this, the soil that Jesus is talking about, this isn't bad soil. It's actually full of nutrients. It's full of the ability to sustain life. It's not like it can't grow stuff. It actually grows things really, really well. It just grows stuff that doesn't serve any purpose. It just grows stuff that doesn't bear any fruit. It's like, you know, great weeds. Wonderful. Can't do anything with that. And I think, sadly, that's, that's how many of us have, have so filled our lives. We've so filled our lives with things and priorities and commitment and stuff that doesn't bear any fruit. We've got a, a schedule that is so full of, of sports and activities and hobbies and, and stuff. But again, Jesus isn't magnified in those. Jesus isn't exalted. The, the gospel isn't proclaimed in those things. The gospel doesn't spread through those things. Again, those things aren't necessarily bad, but when we idolize them, they become bad. Are you spending your time your money, your resources, sowing seeds that won't produce any fruit. I've read this quote before. I think it's a great one, though. And it's worth hearing again. It's from David Platt, and he says, We live in a day where we idolize the good and trivialize the great. I think that is such a part of our culture. The things that are, that are fine, they're not necessarily, they're morally good things. We look at those things and we just, that's, that's a God. Sports are, I think, a, the biggest one. We say, like, and they, they become gods of our life. And we just trivialize the great. We trivialize the most important. What is it for you? Is it a relationship, a sport, a hobby? Is it, is it a, a, an electronic device, a cell phone, a video game, or is it a social media? I think I'm, I'm very guilty of this. I was thinking about this, and I kind of came to my mind, I said it in the first service as well, is I can't tell you many, many times, um, you know, I'll do my, my quiet time in the mornings, uh, sometimes on my iPad, and many times I've sat down, I actually have kind of tried to get away from it for this very reason, but I'd sit down and be like, all right, gonna, you know, house is quiet, got my coffee, wonderful, like my happy place, and I, okay, you know, real quick, before I start reading, you know, the word, before I start doing my devotions, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna like, see what's on Facebook, or see what's on YouTube really quick. And like, oh, that's a funny video. Oh, that's a neat picture. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, 30 minutes have passed. Oh, and now everyone's awake. And well, so much for that quiet time. Folks, I think there's so many things that, that just, you know, they just want to creep in, like those thorns. You don't just, 
you know, open the door one day and all of a sudden it's like thorns just poof. You know, it's like they slowly creep in. They slowly choke out the word. Folks, beware. Don't let those things creep into your life and choke out what God is trying to say to us. Sadly, I think, I think, and this is for us adults, sadly, I think we have, we have set the standard and set the example to, to young people so much that they actually think this is the norm. They actually think that a Christian is someone that picks up their Bible, dusts it off on Sunday morning, carries it to church, opens it when the pastor preaches, closes their Bible, sets it on the shelf, and where it sits all week long, where we're not reading God's word for ourselves, where we don't see Jesus' words as life. We're not setting that standard for the next generation. We're saying, no, 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 <laughs> like, that's, that's, those are good things. We show up on Sunday mornings, that's good. But you know what's life? Man, your sport or your 20 sports. Th- that's, that's what matters most. You know, investing everything in you so that you maybe get that scholarship someday maybe in 20 years, and like devoting all of my time to make that possible for you. That's what's life. We might not say that with our words, but we're saying it with our actions. Folks, don't let those thorns choke out the word. Lastly, verse 20. Those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. The good soil is the Jesus on the throne response. The Jesus on the throne response. And this is, again, this is not just, you, you made it, you're in the Jesus on, you're, you're in the good soil, you're going to say that. It is this daily battle between all of these. I mean, we are constantly dragging Jesus off the throne of our lives, aren't we? And putting ourselves in that place, or putting a thing, or another person, or stuff, or money, or whatever else. And it's, it's just this constant battle. But, but folks, we have, to, we have to fight that battle. We have to continually see Jesus' words as, the, as our true life. We have to hear and listen to what Jesus is saying and see that and listen to it and put Jesus back on the throne of our lives. This is the person that is listening to Jesus. They respond in obedience. And because Jesus sits on the throne of their life, when God speaks, they're, they're all ears. This is the person that leans in close when Jesus is speaking. If you, if you look at the, the story, Jesus didn't, there was the big crowd, right? And then most of them left. And then with the small group, Jesus explains the parable. But even then, he didn't say like, all right, all those suckers are gone. Now everyone listen up. I'm going to actually tell you what I was talking about the whole time. He doesn't do that. He's still... He waits for them to ask. It says when they were asking about the parable, then he explained it. Folks, we have to get this. We have, to, we have to long to know God's word more. We have to ask questions. We have to think deeply. We have to look into these things and not just, all right, God, I'm just going to sit here and wait for you to explain it all to me. No, we need, to, we need to study. We need to read. We need to think for ourselves. So how do we become better listeners? How do we become better listeners? This is just a list of tips and examples. This isn't a complete list, all-encompassing. This is just some of my thoughts and suggestions for you that you could take away with, and we'll, we'll end with this. Um, I'll walk through these quickly. See, number one, see God's voice as your source of life and joy. Folks, this isn't just, this isn't just like, oh, what, 
what, what a nice story, Jesus. What good moral teaching. No, we need to look at Jesus' words and say, this is our source of life. This is our lifeline. I don't know if before the days of technology, when you could just plug in an address into your phone and it takes you exactly where you need to be, which for one who is directionally challenged, that's the best thing in the world. But before those days, you had to get directions or look at a map. And when you got lost, what would you do? Stop and ask someone for directions. Typically a gas station, right? That's, you know, like, oh, they know the area. They're going to give me directions. When they would, when, for those of us who have maybe had to stop and ask for directions, you don't just like, hmm, okay, that's nice. And you're like looking around, like looking at your watch, like, oh, that's nice. Okay, thanks. No, no, no. You, you're like writing down. Saying, you're getting all the details and you're asking them questions and you're thinking about it. Why? Because you know that that person's words and their instructions are the only thing that are going to keep you from wandering around lost and aimless. You know that that person's words are your lifeline and their instructions are your lifeline to, to finding your destination. And Jesus, we need to see Jesus' words as that. This is, this is our life. This is our lifeline to keep us from, from living a life that is not at all what God desired us to live. That's just a complete mess. So we need to see God's voice as your source of life and joy. This is even the, the reason that I actually chose to do this message on before we start this new series is, folks, I, I want us to go into the series next week eager to hear from God, knowing that he's going to speak through his word and wanting to know more. Show up on Sunday with, with a pen in hand and notes ready to, you know, ready to take notes, excited for God to speak. Read through Philippians on your own. It's only four chapters. It's super. You can read it in one setting easily. Uh, so read through Philippians on your own regularly so that you can be hearing from God. When you show up to your R groups, engage in the conversation. Ask pointed questions. Think about this stuff. We need, to, we need to strain to hear God's voice. Uh, another one, keep God's voice regularly in your ears. What I mean by that is we live, we live in this day and age where we have, we have podcasts galore. We have sermons that we can hear that what an amazing resource that we have in front of us. So keep those things, be listening constantly. Don't let this be the only time you ever hear God's word spoken throughout the week. Recognize that listening ears come from the Holy Spirit, so pray for it. What I mean by that is... is our natural tendency is to distance ourselves from God. Our natural tendency is to say like, eh, get off the throne, God. This is, this is my throne. Our natural tendency is to say, nah, la, 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 I don't want to speak. Uh, you know, I don't want to hear you speaking. Um, I, I want to do what, what I know is best for me. That's just our, our natural tendency, right? Uh, we got to realize that, that the Holy Spirit is the thing that gives us ears to hear. We have to realize that the Holy Spirit is, is the thing that's going to, work in our hearts. It's going to call us to himself. And so we have to pray for that and, and ask that the Spirit would speak to us and open our ears and our eyes to the things that he wants to show us. Ask questions. Learn to investigate. I already talked about that, about being, being a question asker. Uh, recognize our natural tendency to not listen. Again, kind of, I'm kind of repeating myself here, but, but realize that that we are just a distracted people. And so realize that we, we need to fight that. Repent when we realize we're becoming one of the other three soils that we're not supposed to be. Realize that, that we fall into this camp regularly. And so when that happens, don't, you know, oh, no, God, I wasn't distracted. No, God, I didn't squander the time that you gave me. I'm, you know, I was meditating and I was doing 
research on YouTube. Uh, no, don't, just don't, God knows your heart. Repent of those things. Recognize it and repent of it and say, God, man, help me, help me to do better. I want to I wanna be a better listener to you. Repent and realize. Uh, and then last one, obey it and share it. And that's, that's really the key and that's the linchpin to, to all of it is it's not enough. What Jesus says is that this, the, this fruitful, this harvest, it multiplied itself abundantly. So realize that, that not only does, it, does the person like lean in and actually hear, and not only do they obey, but they share it. Interesting thing about this parable is that in, in one sense, Jesus is the sower who's, who's sowing the word, but in another sense, so are we. We have to not only see ourselves as the goal is to be the good soul, but we also have to be the sower as well. And the sower isn't just, you know, doesn't like scrimp and save when it comes to the seeds. It's not like, boop, boop, in there, boop, in there. No, no, the, the sower is like generous with sharing it and gets it out to everywhere that, that he, he, you know, he can't get it out of his satchel or whatever he's carrying it fast enough. And, and we have to be like that. We have to realize that not only is it, not only are we called to listen and to obey, but we have to share this generously. And that's critical for being a true listener is that we not only obey it, but that we share it with others. So church, we have a, we have a God that speaks to us. What an incredible thing that, that our God chooses to speak. But the question for us is, are we actually listening? I'm going to pray in a second, and I'm going to be down here, and some of our other church leaders are going to be here, and we would be happy to talk with you, pray with you if you want. If you're hearing God speaking to you, convicting, if it, you know, if maybe if he's telling you, go talk, go pray. Um, make this the first, maybe this is the first time in a long time that you've heard him speak, and that this is the first chance in a long time that he's given you to, to respond in obedience. Don't, don't squash that respond in obedience. We're going to be down here. We'd love to pray with you and talk with you if you, if you want. Um, but we have a God that speaks to us. Let's strain to hear every word that he says. Let's long for the life that comes from his word, and let's just do it because we know he knows what's best for us. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and the fact that you, that you choose to speak to us. Father, this week would we be more active, engaged listeners? Would we long to hear your voice would we see it as our only source of joy? Um, Lord, if things are coming into the throne, you know, pushing you off the throne of our lives, would you make us aware of those? And would you convict us of it? And would we hand them over gladly? Would we see that the greatest life that you have for us is for you to be on the throne of that life? We love you, Lord, and pray it in your name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.